0: You're listening to The Foreign and International Medical Graduate Show, a podcast to inspire physicians in the process of immigration to the United States and access to graduate medical education. We create meaningful and helpful content that motivates medical students and doctors throughout the world with the goal of creating a community that supports itself and gives feedback to each other, that stays updated with the most recent tips and advice on how to make it in America Also, we'll analyze the current resources available and how to benefit from them. Thanks for joining us. Please enjoy the show.
1: Hey guys, how are you? Let's go for this episode number sixty-six, Dr. Alonso Osorio with Osorio MD. I'm super excited to be back again. Let me explain you the current circumstances um. I uh, found a job in Texas, and we're going to be in the process of completely moving there, and I'm super thrilled and super excited about that. And I'm living here in Tampa in a small apartment with my family and kids. Real estate market is phenomenal these days. It's right now May 13 of 2021, and I can tell you I sold, sold my house cash in less than nine days. By the way, that's the washer and dryer. (laughs) <laughs> which makes the recording circumstances not ideal and uh, makes everything probably more spontaneous, more natural. I know, probably not the quality that you expect, but we need to keep producing material, and I'm going to do episode number six, both in audio for our podcast and in video for our YouTube channel. This is my dorky look. I don't have my studio, my proper setup. I have this mobile device setting and I have my computer that I try to carry along and I've been trying to produce material now for what two weeks I have a commitment to you guys please remember I'm gonna try to keep doing this as much as I can that doesn't mean that I uh, have not been uh, thinking about the fact that we need to communicate and engage in some way or another so let's talk about motivation many of you right now are filling your applications for the new incoming cycle during this process there is many questions along the road and many you know concerns about how to fulfill complete the application and i do know this for a fact because i've been following really closely some blogs some chats that you guys have on whatsapp on the internet and there's questions that are happening back and forth Remember that always at Osorio MD you will have me there available for consultation. And a consultation with me is an investment on yourselves. I know that sometimes they say, well, how come I need to pay for services like this? And guess what? You never done this before and you would like to have a coach that guides you along the way, holding your hand and taking you one step at a time through the process. So let's have that initial consultation, approach me. Feel free to reach out to me, and we'll talk about it. I'm going to be setting up this account through Calendly, and you can book the appointment right there. It will be allowed to make that at your convenience, at my convenience, and we can work it out together. this, uh, This is available effective immediately. Hopefully, by the time we'll be posting the podcast, and I'm just super excited. Let's talk about production. Episode sixty-seven has been published, and that was with Dr. Juan Martin Valdivia Valdivia. And ideally, I wanna try to keep this in an organized fashion. And I skipped over episode sixty-six, that was made uh, going to be made about a few tips on what a new physician in the United States shall consider. And uh, and. A, big no, a few big no-no's that you must avoid as a doctor in the United States. So I was just about at the beginning of the week having some random thoughts in the back of my head and coming up with topics that I thought it would be interesting. And as I'm driving down the road, I came up with these few things that I realized that nobody really taught me when I decided to come into America. And it seems to be common sense. But remember, common sense is the less common of the senses. Which means that at some point in time or another, some of you are going to be committing some of these mistakes because you just simply forget, you ignore it, or you just don't know it. So having said those things, we're going to talk of a few things that every physician should avoid when coming into the United States. Obviously, this applies for any doctor in the United States. And these are things that i would have liked to have known before i embark in this process after 20 years 20 years of having had been a doctor in the united states so i graduated from medical school december 21st of 2020 so It's been a phenomenal road. Uh, I came, I started in the United States in 20, I've been a physician for 20 years in the United States since July 1st of 2013. So that's 17 going on 18 years now. And these are the things that I would have liked to have known 20, 18, 19 years ago before I came to the United States. So let's go through that. Let's see, do you guys know what is a disruptive physician? That's a new thing, I would say, three, four, five years ago, um, doctors, let's say. Let's give an example. This is not to pick in the neurosurgeons. A neurosurgeon goes into the OR and he doesn't like X, Y, or C. Let's, let's talk about a surgeon in general, not to pick on any specialty. A surgeon goes into the OR and decides to start cursing like a tantrum child, like a tennis player throwing the racket screaming complaining about the OR setup the instrument that was handed to him and in the middle of the operation he decides to grab the scalpel and just throw it across the room and we know that there is people like this still to these days and that's not accepted anymore guess what this type of behaviors in the past when we were independent physicians and we thought that people had to just suck it up buttercup and take it as we were is a big no-no, and, and in peer review, it's being brought up, and they're not allowing us to have disrespectful, grumpy, disruptive behavior. Call it cursing, call it throwing, call it hissing, fizzing, complaining. And as physicians, every day are much less having an independent practice, and we are ruled more as hospital employees. Hospitals have decided to have more control over ourselves, over our practice, about the way we behave, about the thin line that we have to secure and follow. And if we don't stick to that rule, guess what? They find someone else that is not going to be you, Dr. X, Y, or Z. So do not become a disruptive physician. That's number one. Number two, anything regarding sexual harassment, guys. Please don't skip over that chapter. Harassment, it's sometimes something that people perceive as harassing or something that is bluntly harassment. It's any suggestive verbal, nonverbal language that is directly targeted towards someone. It doesn't have to be male to female. It could be male to male in certain circumstances or something that you said when you were talking from this person to this person, but a third party happened to hear you say something, and they felt uncomfortable about it. So this, I didn't mean to flick my finger, this third person involved in the conversation, right? (laughs) Literally, they can go and do that to themselves, can go and report you to a separate independent entity And they're highly encouraged by the Human Resources Department and by the Ethics Committee of the hospital, the Healthcare Association, to report that against you without your personal authorization. And they're going to call you and they're going to sit you down and they're going to give you a heads up that your comment, your behavior, your suggestion was perceived as harassing. So it is very interesting. I I, I think... uh, I I joke about this all the time, but anything in America that you think is inappropriate could be considered harassing to someone else. And everybody is so fragile. Everybody is so in touch of their internal feelings and they're a bunch of flakes, to be honest. But be careful. You're walking a very thin line and don't put yourself on the spot because it could happen. Keep it professional, keep it cool. Like one attending told me once, keep your hands off the nurses, colleagues and so forth, and just don't go there because it will make you lose your job. It will get you kicked out of the hospital, your healthcare settings, and God knows what else could happen. That's number two. Basic things. Let's talk about self-prescribing, family prescribing, and prescribing and evidence of treatment documentation. It's gonna be very common that somebody will approach us and say, hey, doc, I think I have a sinus infection and you need to, can you prescribe me a CPAC, uh, azithromycin, uh, can you just hook me up and give me a little bit uh, of help? Can you write me a script and they have, even it's a nurse or a tech and they hand you already the prescribing, prescription pad, which you can barely find in these days to pers- pers- precisely Avoid these kind of circumstances. So you wrote a prescription. That entails that you have established a contract, which means for us, a contract is a a physician-patient relationship. So you just have screwed yourself up. Let's say they go out, they take the famous CPAC. They were born with unknown congenital QTC prolongation. They pop the CPAC, they woke up, and they're dead. Then the family member realizes that they were taking that medication. They find a very nice malpractice attorney and they will determine that by you, writing a prescription, obviously you created a uh, patient-physician relationship and they decide to sue you. And now you're in a world of pain. But that's to the extreme. The patient died. A person died. Let's say they develop a simple allergy reaction. Guess what? If you decide to do that, and you decide to be kind enough, you need to complete a little form in your computer, dated time, which goes over a history of present illness, past medical history, allergies, family history, surgical history, physical exam findings, and the reasons why you suggested the person to have a acetromycin pack. Call it for anything, a minor A campaign, advice or suggestion. I'm going to tell you through, just simply suggest them. Thank you very much. I, uh, I try not to prescribe anyone that I work with. You're more than happy to make an appointment at my office or, you know, as an ear physician, I get approached a lot for people. Hey, they just think it's convenient and they want to ask me for a prescription. I just don't do it. Just don't do it. Same thing goes for, for family members. You know, you always have the family member. Ah, oh, I think I have another UTI and this girl has a UTI like every month or every couple months. You know what? It could be genital herpes giving her dysuria and you're prescribing macrobate amoxicillin or whatever for her genital herpes. Don't do it. You know, just tell them to get a proper physical exam by a physician, by their family doctor, by a nurse practitioner, but don't get involved in prescribing family members. Another one, don't do self prescriptions. Try to avoid specifically controlled substances in the United States. You have different orders of class 1, class 2, class 3, class 4, class 5 medications under the Drug Enforcement Administration schedule. And simply the pharmacist won't allow allow it, or if they hear you calling in a prescription, they might report you to the Board of Medicine. So, big no-no. Don't do it. Don't self-prescribe unless it's... An ultimate emergency I would say just keep it basic to ibuprofen but just don't do it it's in the Hippocratic Oath and I don't recommend it I don't advise it next topic ethics anything unethical sketchy funny looking I'm gonna give you an example it's very common in the United States to work with hospitals that have a religious orientation. You can have a hospital that has Catholic orientations versus a non-denominational hospital, for-profit versus non-for-profit. I'm going to give you an occurrence of a situation that was considered ethical breakdown and the physician almost lost his job about this situation. In ex-institution of Catholic background, the female patient comes with an acute baby loss after having had procure an abortion, and it was an incomplete abortion, and it was a septic abortion. And she was managed as an outpatient. And the physician happened to suggest an abortion clinic, call call it Planned Parenthood in America. And someone reviewed the chart like they always do, and they felt that a physician working for a Catholic institution, shall not be suggesting a patient to go and have an abortion, or to finish it, or to clean it out, or whatever. Or, let's say, this was another circumstance that I heard about, and it was a very famous case, that the patient came uh, for nausea and vomiting. She was found to be pregnant, and she was several weeks along, I think she was somewhere in between 18 and 20 weeks, in certain town in certain hospital and she implied that she was not going to carry this child and that she wanted an abortion and the physician in this catholic-based or hospital suggested her to go to an abortion clinic and this was very much uh, reported to the up the ladder the nurse i think uh, reported the physician And this was a big deal. The physician almost lost his uh, privileges, got kicked out, peer review, notation on the chart on his file. Imagine the whole drama and the proceedings that you have to go through as a doctor in America. So careful about basic ethics proceedings and uh, 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 anything that sounds fishy, sketchy, that is going to be foul play. Just don't do it. Interactions between males and females must be witnessed, specifically professional counseling in the setting or work-related counseling or evaluations. Let's say you're, you're the medical director and you have to counsel a female physician. My biggest advice is specifically if it's only kudos, you know, make sure that these kudos are not misconstrued as... Maleish approaching a female in a sensual way. Just try to have another third party, usually another female or a male, in the room that witnesses the interactions. Specifically, if you're doing male to male, it's not a big deal. But if male to female and you have a position of authority, I would advise you to have a third party in between. If you're counseling this person in a negative manner for her performance or behavior, she might say that you. Were counseling her from a position of power. And because she's a female, she might play that card that they play in America very much so, or the racist card that they play in America very much so. So have a third party person that is a unilateral agent that will help you witness that interaction that was kept in a professional fashion because this person might manipulate the information, twist it out, speak about it and get you in deep trouble. And this is to the extreme, but guys, it has happened A big no-no it's uh another big no-no uh, not following through with your cme compliance that's number six you have continuous medical educations and uh, requirements of continuous medical education with the uh, board of medicine uh, to keep your license do not wait last minute make sure you do not at the state that you completed the CME, and you haven't, because what they do is they could do random, random auditing of the physician's CME compliance. And if you happen to be one of those that checked the box and decided not to to go through it and not to pay for the CME and skipped it, it could have some serious penalties and implications with the Board of Medicine. It's so easy. Anything education-wise that you do here in America, just just submit your CME form, fulfill the evaluation, and report it to the board. First of all, there you have prescribed credits, non-prescribed credits, personal attendance medicine, online education models, there's some personal development things that count, teaching appointments, lectures that you give, uh, personal speaking appointments, they all count towards CME, and specifically, every state has something related, ethics, Sexual abuse, trafficking, HIV/AIDS, and now there is a huge one on uh, ethics, uh, opiate prescribing, and the regulations on opiate prescribing, specifically since states like Florida. There is one on opiate, pres- safe opiate prescribing, and that's always evolving and changing. And there are some different people making money out of that. You're going to get pamphlets. the computer just check with your hospital CME provider sometimes they're free for you there is also a local network of free CME through your local associations of your county state or national associations in my example there is some free through the Florida Medical Association the Hillsborough County Medical Association through the American College of Emergency Physicians, through the American Academy of Emergency Medicine, through the uh, Florida Academy of Family Physicians, through the Florida, through the American Academy of Family Physicians. Plenty of stuff for you there to look over. That's in my specific specialty. Might be different for you, but everybody must have them. Number seven anything regarding drug, alcohol abuse, DUI's criminal activities misdemeanors felonies that will be reported dude every time you apply for clinical privileges if you decided as a resident to go to a party you got pulled over the cop makes you walk the straight line sobriety test you find an attorney to get you out of this trouble guess what it gets reported to the board and guess what it might make you go and pee on a cup every so often and get drug tested in a regular, regular fashion. So that's another one you need to be careful for. So be in the lookout for that one. Obviously, don't do drugs. Don't show up intoxicated. I'm going to to give you an example. These are always fun. Resident presents to the emergency room. He's acting funny. He's not his normal self. Somebody feels a hint of alcohol in his breath kind of keep an eye on that then they see the guy going to a rotation up on the floor An attending physician and nurse decide to kind of smell up on this guy that is not acting quite sharp they call the program director program director crosses the street looks after the guy pulls him aside smells alcohol on his breath gets him to go gets him to get alcohol tested his alcohol level is 300 plus way above the normal legal limit, he's obviously seen patients while intoxicated, he gets drug tested, he's clear for cocaine, meth, marijuana, opiates, anything else, but he's positive for a high alcohol level. Guess what happens? Your boss, your medical director, your program director, it is obligated and mandated to send you to doctor's rehab, and he will be reported to the board of medicine for a specific estate and for god knows how long you'll be under probation and you will be having to present yourself to be clean for more than once opportunity and i don't know the specific circumstances but i can tell you it is a pain in the rear And when i was arresting in my uh, first uh, residency training in family medicine i, I did an elective in in uh, Hazelden for drug uh, and alcohol rehabilitation in Hazelden in Minneapolis, Minnesota, in a very common, very expensive rehabilitation institution. And you cannot believe the circumstances that I had to sit through and the group treatments that I had to listen about physicians, about drug usage, their personal experiences, experiences sharing what they went through. And it is not fun. One more, let's talk about Divorce, child support, and alimony—that's a big one. Relationships, we all have troubles. We all have situations that are difficult. Some of you are single, some of you are married, some of you go through divorces, and you m- must pay child support and alimony. As guess what? If you skip a payment, that will be reported, and if it's, it will be asked of you to see if you have an alimony or a pending child support case. And it's interesting, you say, oh, doctor, sorry, this is ridiculous. Guess what, dude, when you apply for hospital privileges, it's going to be shown there. Have you ever missed, skip a child support payment? They're going to ask you the same thing. You're going to see, as we mentioned before, have you had a misdemeanor, um, a criminal act? Have you ever been in, in, in prison, in jail, etc.? And you say, no. Obviously, but they do a background check and a background report and they pull files on you. And if they do, dude, trust me, you will have to explain yourself or some simply, all your privileges will be simply denied. One more. Let's do two more to keep it within 30 minutes and we're going to keep it in two parts. I know that you guys are really probably enjoying this and you find it quite juicy. And I have so much information. So this is really random things that I was thinking of you guys not to do. Social media posting and implications for work. That's a big one. Personally, myself, during the last pandemic, I did a lot of social media posting. I was engaged in a couple of media and news interviews. You need to really clear this by your hospital's public relationships department, by your boss, make sure the hospital is interested on on this behalf. And anything that you say, any uh, conflicts that you might have, any interactions, the respectful attitudes, you know, you remember your profile might be public, your profile might be private. For my personal case, I need social media to reach out to you guys. Some people are big verts of social media interactions and postings, they keep it to themselves. They don't want to even incur in that kind of situation, but employers, Prospective employers, recruiters are looking at your social media feeds and anything that could be considered racist, unprofessional, a picture from 20 years ago that show you holding a beer or holding a bong in a hookah bar could be used against yourself, an inappropriate outfit, a, a weird comment, a weird pose, something that might sound like racist anything about, I don't know guys, you tell me. These days everybody are so sensitive and they're so much into this kind of stuff. They're just trolling the internet for crap like that. There is actually hospitals that have a department dedicated for trolling the internet and they will be looking for crap about you or anyone to get you fired. So don't give them an excuse to find yourself without a job and the last one timeliness i mean this is basics be on time be early i had an attending dr jim gillen that has been a guest that says alonso if you are on time you're late you have to present yourself to your shift or your duties 10 to 15 minutes ahead of time to clean your workstation to follow your rituals to use the restroom to unpack your bag, to lock your locker, get change of shift, transfer of care. Because guess what happened? Specifically, my specialty, I decide to show at 9. And there's always, and it has happened like five times in my 20 years' career, that a cardiac arrest or a um, big deal emergency shows up at 8 59. And if you're there at 9, guess who's stuck? an hour or two after their shifts, taking care of that patient, that child, that pregnancy, that delivery, your colleague, and that's not well seen. So try to be there on time. In my specialty is crucial. It's You just don't know when shit's gonna hit the fan, but sometimes it happens during change of shift. So just be there 10, 15 minutes in advance. So you kind of settle in, and if there is something crazy coming in, stroke and STEMI you're on top of things well we can go on forever but in a matter of time we're going to keep episode 66 short at 30 minutes and we're going to move on into the second part in episode uh, 68 so 66, 68, 66 is filling in the gap because I skipped over this production and I apologize on that behalf but is going to be the next episode on the podcast feed so immediately the next one on part number two of physicians big no-nos call to attention call remember guys um don't forget to log on into www.osorio.md.com. click like subscribe we're going on 400 plus subscribers for my youtube channel i know i need to produce more material i hope you like it this is me today it's uh thursday about to travel to to texas and life is good man cannot complain life is awesome trying to kind of work through the hassles of family life and and the implications that we all know that this has and the stress of moving and the circumstances of finding a new job, a new house, and all that, a new city, a new town, a new school for the kids. We can talk about that and how you guys are probably dealing with the stress of moving to America in a future incoming episode. Tell me if you like it, if you like both the audio, visual, video type of format, or if you like just the listening part. Any feedback is appreciated. Remember, I do this with love, non for profit, if you like it. Go to iTunes, leave me a five-star review, and leave me a comment. That helps me to move up the ranks. I'm doing really good in general. I really appreciate uh, your feedback and comments and interaction. Uh, and if I can be of any help, please remember, you're not wasting money. You're spending, investing in yourself. So reach to info at md.com and it will be sent straight to my email. The link is working perfectly and I'm here for you guys. Well, stay in touch. Goodbye for now and let's keep fighting COVID. I think we're done with that crap. Hopefully the vaccination is gonna work out. Thank you again. God bless you all.